to 1 Kings 19, if you haven't already. It's kind of in the Old Testament. One of the ways I remember it, you get past the Gospel of Judges Ruth and then go backwards uh, in the order of uh, alphabetical order when you get to Samuel, the Samuel Kings Chronicles. Okay, so I've learned tricks over the years. That may be one of the tricks that you learn as you try to figure out um, with New Testament. Uh, where are all our teenagers? I can't pick on them today. I can't. They just don't know about it. Uh, when I was a teenager growing up in Hamilton with the Pauline letters, you got Acts, Romans, and then some of you may remember CGE, right? The power company? Cincinnati Gas and Electric? No. Some of you? No. You're too far north, out of your area. I get You know, but that's how I remember how Paul wrote. It was CGE Power Company. You got Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Yeah. Do what? No, he, he says no. I like that one better. Huh. You know, you northerners. You know, I grew up in Hamiltucky. Uh, that's uh, anyway. It is funny. Uh, Joyce and I have the same kind of hillbilly. Am I allowed to call you a hillbilly? All right. I had to get permission. Otherwise, I would have bow down. I'm getting this here. Uh, we get our own hillbilly and our southern roots come out on Wednesday, and Shannon George doesn't know what to think half the time, and Patty still just looks at us like we're the house. And we just love it, and we, we talk talk that only us understand half the time. But here we are. We, we come to uh, this time. I forget what I was thinking, saying about that. Something good, I'm sure. But we come to this time, and there's different types of learning where things are. And first and second kings, uh, all of it takes place after the time of David, Solomon to some extent. And, and we're progressing through. And we come to a great character that most of you know, the character of Elijah. He is the, besides Moses, he was the next greatest prophet of Israel. He was the one that we read in the New Testament, in the likes of Elijah, there was a man called John the Baptist that went out in the wilderness. And we read that John the Baptist, he ate locusts and honey and a tunic of camel hair, very similar to the likes of Elijah. But I think we will learn some other things uh, this morning as we go through this time. And, and we know this to be true, but life is a journey. Life has a journey process. We, we talk about now what kind of journey it is. depends on what road you're, you're on. You know, life sometimes is a roller coaster. You know, and I've been on many of the roller coasters of the days. I used to have a pass to Kings Island when I lived closer. And I like some of them. However, uh, last time I went, there were some of those roller coasters I didn't like as much anymore. A little too rough. A little too much not my style. Life is a journey. Uh, it's becoming Thanksgiving. And one of my memories of Thanksgiving and Christmas, we were, head, we were in Hamilton. We were heading back to Alicia's parents. This is, in all fairness, the only time I allowed Alicia to drive uh, while I was in the car. And, and uh, I asked if I was almost asleep. Well, I was asleep. 
until all of a sudden I hear going, oh shoot, oh shoot, oh shoot, and then the rumble strips. You wake up real quickly when you hear your wife say that. And, and I wake up, and we're getting moved over because a semi was coming over, and I'm like, oh my goodness, she's like, I think I missed our turn. <laughs> okay, why don't we get off of this exit, and I go the rest of the way. You know, that was a journey of life that I wish. You know, we get an experience. And, and make for good conversation. But I'm trying to go, we've been on this road for a long time. For many of back and forth. How did you not know that it's this exit off of I-70? She didn't. It's okay. We got there safely, and I just decided I drive. Which works for you, doesn't it? You know, because she'll fall asleep while I talk uh, next to her. And so, you know, it's... Uh, I joke, that's what I do well. And some of you fall asleep while I talk. Yeah, no, it's okay. Some of you at home probably fall asleep while I talk in your comfy chair. Uh, you know, that's uh, part of life. But life is a journey in Elijah. We'll see our lives within the journey of Elijah. We know that life has the highs, it has the mountaintops of life. Elijah, if you look at chapter 18, uh, 17 and 18 to some extent, he has this mountaintop experience. God says, pray. Verses, chapter 17 says, pray uh, that there won't be any rain. And he's, it doesn't rain for three years, Scripture says. He has this mountaintop as ravens feed him food from heaven. And he drinks from the brook. He goes to the widow's house and, and here she gives the last of the, the bread and yet more oil comes up to make more and more bread for three whole years. He saw the work of God. And then he goes on to Mount Carmel, verse 18. This great showdown, this is what we teach our kids, the great showdown, where he comes back into the land and he tries to uh, tell them what is going on. Um, and those of you online, I apologize. You have no picture uh, with that. So I messed things up this morning, apparently. Um, so just stick with us. We'll have sound with no uh, actual video unless I do some things in and out this morning. Unless you want to remember how to do that. Kind of. What's the worst that could happen? I, exactly. <laughs> so if you uh, online people who lose you, uh, we will try to get you back. Maybe. Um, but he has this great time where he calls out who is going to be God. And what's interesting is not only is the phantom still there, you just go to live stream and I'll take care of this. Okay. Right, not only is uh, there still a famine and drought, he takes the precious commodity of water and pours it on top of his sacrifice. Now talk about uh, what others would say would be stupid at that point in time. He is wasting the water when they don't know what's going to happen next. If you've read anything in our nation, you know how west they are in a drought upon a drought. Saw the headline that one of California's large reserve uh, reservoirs will uh, be dropped here soon. And now there's fighting between cities as far as uh, who gets water? 
But one of the things everyone agrees on, you don't go watering your grass in the middle of the drought. What does Elijah do? He says, oh, I'm watering the sacrifice. Now, I'm not a Cub Scout. I, never, I was a Cub Scout for like two years and then figured out that's not my thing. Never Boy Scout. But I know this much about starting a fire. Wet wood doesn't work. Okay? You know, I know that much. You, the drier, the better to get things started. And yet here, Elijah on Mount Carmel, the mountaintop experience that he's going to have, he wets things down to say, we will know that God is God. And in a fire, God shows up. How many of you have had a mountain, you don't need to raise your hand, but think about it, a mountaintop experience of life. Uh, a mountaintop experience in your spiritual life, where you go, wow, God is real. I've seen him with my own eyes. We have a story to tell. And he has that story. But then as life is a journey, sometimes you're on the road of life and it is smooth sailing. You're at the top of the clearing and you can see what is coming up and then sometimes you're at the bottom. You have its lows, the cave moments of life. And some of you are there. Some of you are not there. But some of you are there. Elijah has this next cave moment we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at those cave moments. What does it mean for you and I? How can we see our own story as part of his story? And so we read here in the beginning of Ahab's words of chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with his sword. So Elijah does what he said he would do. Now, Jezebel is not only just Ahab's wife, Ahab is the king at this point in time, but Jezebel is a, a follower of the hall. Okay? In fact, Elijah spends a lot of time in her area, her homeland. Okay, this was a marriage of necessity for the king of Israel to some extent, which led the Israelites away. And, and she hears what has happened, and as anybody would expect, she doesn't like it. But notice this. She wasn't there. She wasn't there as an eyewitness. But she hears. Now, did Ahab make something up? Probably not. Did he maybe say something he shouldn't have? Maybe not. But she says, well, that's not going to happen. So she says these words, may the gods of may Baal deal with me ever so severely if what happened to his prophets, my prophets, if it doesn't happen to you. Now a little backstory here. Quote, the whole nation was in a drought. You read in chapter 18, you will read these prophets sat at the table of Jezebel each day and they ate each and never did. The drought hadn't affected her. When her nation was going without, the widow of Zarephath is in her nation. She has nothing. Jezebel, the leader, has everything. 
and hear what we would think would be a mountaintop experience that should last a long time leads into a cave moment. Why? Because she says, and by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like one of them. Now that's a death threat. Now I want to apply this in a way that I feel like the words here of First Kings don't necessarily live that way, but I think it's important. We need to be careful what we say when someone shares us the good news of Jesus, what God has done in their life. When they share that mountaintop experience. Because sometimes in our quest of, of maybe we don't like what is said because it's not our experience, we will either downplay what has happened or we will say, well, just wait, because sooner or later, that won't be your experience. Okay? And when we do that, we may lead somebody into the sense that it will become a cave experience of life. For we will be the ones that come into it. Now, is the cave running that Elijah does, is that Jezebel's fault? Not necessarily. But you know, when you get a death threat, or someone minimizes what you just said, or someone says, well, you know, I also had it, and then they kind of discount the fact that you saw God. Or, well, maybe it wasn't a big deal. Or they try to rationalize why what you experienced maybe wasn't it. And they go, what, have you noticed others haven't had this? You go, thanks. We influence people going around. And Elijah, after this mountaintop experience, was afraid, and he ran for his Life. Have you ever been there? Maybe not literally. Though, uh, as we come out of uh, Veterans Day, we know that uh, for our veterans and any of you who are veterans or any of you that are there, we know that suicide is much greater in that population because of life, the cave experiences of life. However, it's not just there. You know, uh, many, many people experience suicidal thoughts and some go down that path. And there's not much of a difference, though there is a little difference, I believe, between Christians and non-Christians. Okay? It happens. It's a tragedy regardless. But we, the people of God, can learn from this story with them. What happens next? He goes running for his life. And I want to make, just make a couple points here. In our depression, God provides. By all accounts, by any kind of clinical judgments one can make, Elijah is clinically depressed of the deepest of nature. He's running. He has no desire to do whatever he wants. He says, take my life, Lord. I'm done. I'm no better than anybody else. He goes and and sleeps, because that's all he really wants to do is I read this, that's what I pick up. And I sit there and go, I can't, huh. oh good. One, if you are experiencing depression, you are not alone. Scripture deals with this. And then secondly, I sit here and go, oh good, it's not just me. I'm trying to, don't take my words that would be personal of this nature, it's self-serving, but to share with you, there have been many moments that I, like Elijah, have gone, I'm done. I don't know that I want to go on anymore. 
is hard. Being the follower of Jesus is hard. And there are moments when you go, it just maybe it's not worth it any longer. This is where Elijah is. But we read here that there, an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. Get up, eat, and provide the food. Sometimes with mental health issues, we need to take them just like what we do. Not just sometimes, all the time. We need to see them like physical issues where if we know someone is dealing with depression and like, the best thing maybe we as the church can do is give them a piece of food just like we would if they had it in surgery. Because they're not going to want to get up and eat and go fix something. That's too much work. Beauty. The angel. Get up, eat. So we look around and there by his head was some bread and a jar of water. He ate and drank. And then what did he do? Sleep. Time to decide on depression. Let's also remind you sometimes in our cave moments, the best thing we can do is sleep. Take a nap. It's a good thing. But not only in our depression, because some of you say that's not me, but you might be fearful. In our fears, God provides. Some of us are afraid. I hear it. I hear words. And we ought to name our fears. We ought to talk about our fears. This, this isn't about uh, just staying with and, and pushing everything down. We're afraid. We're afraid because we look around and we, we see what the world is coming to. And we go, this isn't right. I'm afraid. <coughs> How bad can it get? We don't know. Scripture gives us a hint. You know, we can be afraid. We can be afraid of what is or isn't happening in our world. Yet God still provided. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, verse 7. Touched the legend and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by the food, he went on his journey. It says 40 days, 40 nights. I don't know that it was a literal 40 days. I think the writer here is saying symbolically, like the nation of Israel before, he's going into a, a journey, a complete journey. That is going on here. Whether it took 40 days or 10 days or 40 hours, we don't know. But here in our fears, the Lord will provide. And there he reached Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. In our cave moments, we lose perspective. Elijah comes to this cave. When I'm in my cave moments, when you are in your cave moments, you will lose perspective of life. For those of us who are not in the cave, that can be very frustrating because we want to talk people out of it. You can't necessarily talk them out of it. Because when you're in a cave, what do you see? The cave. You see the darkness. And what we see here is God doesn't just try to rationalize him out of that moment. We're going to have this interaction. And here's what I said. And the word of the Lord came to him again. What are you doing here? Elijah. Now, we're going to come back to this point, but I think it is necessary for us to see that God is present in the cave. One writer, as I was reading this week, says, look at it. He doesn't say, what are you doing there as if God is outside of the cave? He said, what are you doing here in this cave? You 
see the difference. God is present in our moments of cave existence because life has its ups and downs. And a lot of times in the cave, we can't see what is going on, but we need the truth of Scripture that God is there in those moments. God wasn't outside of the cave necessarily. He was there in the cave. Why are you here? And this is where we see that Elijah has lost perspective. He says, I'm the only one left. The Israelites rejected your covenant. They torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and I'm on about ready to be just like them. Now, what we would like to do, and it would be great if God did this, but God didn't. I didn't need to learn from that. We normally sometimes will say, well, just stop thinking like that because this is true, this is true, this is true, this is true. Okay? We can't, uh, someone's not going to hear that. Because the truth is, is in chapter 18, Elijah meets Obadiah. And what does we learn about Obadiah? Obadiah is a follower of Jesus. So we know there's at least two. Elijah's, he's not, he's lost the perspective of that. And God doesn't say, well, Elijah, if you would just remember, you met Obadiah, probably not, but two weeks ago. You know, and Obadiah says, here, he, he says, hey, I have hid a hundred prophets in two caves, 15 each, and I supply them with food and water. So guess what? There's at least a hundred and two people who have not bowed down. God doesn't say, hey, take stock of the 102 others, or 101 others. Doesn't. In our cave moments, we will lose perspective. We will take the worst upon the worst. I'm it. I'm the only one left. Oh, the world is awful. Can't do it anymore. So we go back and we try to hide. We will take things about, I'm the only remnant. The church, this is the only remnant. We're the only faithful ones. And God actually won't interact with that. And that's okay. Because what he's going to remind them of is that he's present in the moments of game moments of life. And he, he lets Elijah get it all out. He lets him. And then he just says this. Go and stand on the mountain. Get out of the cave a little bit in the presence of the Lord for I'm going to pass you by. And then we have this great thing. And I wonder if maybe we've missed the point of the next couple verses. Because the point is not about how God speaks. The reason those are there is not just so this is how God speaks, that he speaks through a small voice in hand. Because we see a great and powerful wind and an earthquake. We see a fire on those things. And, and if you remember, he is on the mountain of God, also known as Mount Zion. Mount Carmel. No, not Mount Carmel. Mount Zion. Sorry. This is where, I think I know my place. It's not horrible. We'll just stay there. This is where uh, Moses and the nation of Israel were at one time. And how did God show up at that time? Fire and earthquake. But we notice in the story, it wasn't the big things that got his curiosity out. 
And I wonder if Elijah would have done the first thing about obeying if he wouldn't have heard God in the earthquake or maybe the fire. But he's still in the cave. And so finally this low murmur whispered. And when Elijah heard that, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out. It's not about how God speaks. God will use whatever methods he needs to get our attention. It may be earthquake. It may be fire. It may be a small whisper. Reminiscence of Moses himself. How did God get his attention? A bush on fire. Not that big of a deal, but this bush didn't burn. Elijah knew about fires and earthquake. Maybe we need to see this, that sometimes we can't expect God to use the same methods that he did prior to reach us in the future. Elijah had the fire and the earthquake experience on Mount Carmel. He needs a different one here. And he went out. And he, he covered his face out of respect. And the Lord says again, what are you doing here? Elijah, again, I'm in. I'm the only one left. And now they're going to kill me, too. But what does God do? God says, I'm not done with you yet. This is the point of Elijah. The story of the, of the earthquake and the fire. This is the point of 1 Kings 19. Is he recommissions Elijah in the midst of his cave experience. In his midst of wanting to say, I'm done. Just take me out of it. God says, I have a purpose for you. And my purpose isn't done yet. When you and I struggle with depression, when we struggle with our own battles, when we are in our pain moments, we think God is done with us yet, and you need to hear these words this morning, God is not done yet. God still has a plan. God still has something for you to do. So he says to Elijah, get back to work. Be faithful. Get back to work. For some of us in these game moments, this is the word. It seems harsh, maybe. But see, we can't always think our way out of depression. Sometimes we move our way out of depression. That's what God gives Elijah. He says, here's what you are to do. Go. Anoint this guy as king and anoint this guy king. Hey, Elisha is coming. You will anoint. You think, well, that seems odd, doesn't it? What God is doing again is he's providing someone to walk through the journey of the next time with Elijah. For you and I, what can we learn? I hope there's been some nugget that stuck this morning. I hope there's something there. A part of in our depression, we need, we will experience the caves, we will sit in the caves, but to get out of the caves, sometimes you just start moving. <coughs> and my guess is if we are open, God won't just send us out of the cave, but he will send us someone alongside to walk with us in this next journey. I would love to say that should be us as the church. That would be us. Where we walk beside, we just say, I'm here for you. 
faith. The New Testament says a lot about Elijah. It's interesting that we read after Paul's conversion. He goes on his own and some would think Elijah's journey. He goes out into a radiant desert. We're thinking, that's a hot plot. Maybe because he wanted to maybe experience one for Elijah. Where God would recommission him as he was passionate, zealous for the Lord. And God shows up, and because God showed up, Paul goes, I've messed up. Maybe I'm doomed. I've done too much. The wrong way. And God says, Paul, get up. Go back to work. Yeah, the work isn't going to be the same. Elijah doesn't do the same things anymore. It's a new work. It's a work of uh, equipping Elisha, who will take on his mantle. But it is a work until the Lord is done. So for those of you who are, as I like to call, senior saints, there's a lot of you that are peaking the 70s and heading into the 80s. I'll be honest, I'm scared about that. Okay? I'm scared about that. You what? Absolutely. So we're scared together. Okay? Alright? I'm scared about that because I can see over the horizon. Maybe your call in these moments when life is kind of puts you in a little cave is a call to Elijah. Go get your Elisha. Because the ministry that you are doing is important. People have seen God show up and show up. God has done great things, but we need to have an Elisha for that next generation. And God is setting it up. And you know what we find in the rest of 1 Kings? Elisha does a wonderful ministry to Elijah. For now, they do it together. For some of you, you are the Elishas. You're not sure what's it. This man of God named Elijah came and said, Hey, you can do this. And you're not quite sure. You just tell if they said it, they'll do it. And Elisha does it. And they go on. And I think it's reminded this morning, as I cried in my life, that God is faithful. He asks us to be faithful. He never criticizes Elijah because he had a lack of faith here. But he went into the cave. Instead, maybe for some of you, as it is for me many times, where I hear the word, what, about, what are you doing here? And I realize here is my faith. And here is where God is. Are you in a cave? Are you on the mountaintop? God is there. Are you on the journey? God is there. And if we realize that God was there, how can that help us to have our sense of purpose and meaning in life? And where can we take somebody else to the journey with us? That's our call. It's church. Let's get back to work. Let's be faithful. I don't know if we'll have another Mount Carmel experience. We might. But I know the point is God says, keep moving forward. And the beauty, as we know the rest of the story, God does one day take a lot of it. 
His faithfulness set up another. God showing up to Your faithfulness will be rewarded. We pray for the Father of the kingdom. For this time.